It's not often that you have the opportunity to have a world record holder on your podcast. And you can get a world record in pretty much anything, even handshaking. Whatever it is about handshakes, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I seem to love this relationship handshaking idea. That's my guest this week, Matt Handshaking Holmes, the handshaking world record holder. But even Matt found out that handshaking and where it led to networking was not enough to build a sustainable business. It turns out networking doesn't pay for your website or marketing costs this month. It definitely opens you up to some huge opportunities and some life-changing opportunities, but it doesn't pay for your marketing budget this month. Matt spent some time learning, failing, and trying to figure out what was going to work. And he found that handshakes, in person or online, combined with relationships, play into the success of your local company or online business. Your goal is to drive traffic to the real estate that you own online, which is your domain name and website. That's right. the land that you build your empire on. And Matt shares a number of great tips on how this can work for your real estate investing business. This is probably something I'd want to share at the very beginning of the episode is if you're in real estate. And we also had a much wider conversation around hiring virtual assistants, outsourcing, as well as cryptocurrencies and digital real estate and assets. All this after the break. This is REI Branded, the podcast all about building your real estate investing personal brand. My name is Paul Cockett, and my mission is to help you, the busy real estate investor, stand out from the crowd so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. Meaning that you can build a successful real estate investing business without feeling inauthentic, overwhelmed with marketing, or spending all day doing it. Because marketing is how you get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. But before we begin, if you're a real estate investor looking to build your business and stand out from the crowd, and you don't want to wait for all the knowledge, strategies, and how-tos to be slowly delivered to you via this podcast every week, then I invite you to apply for the REI Branded Audit. That's the process I've created that has already helped dozens of real estate investors to define and develop their personal brands and build their real estate investing businesses. This audit is a mind-focusing, eye-opening insight addressing key questions like, is your message clear and consistent? Do you stand out as being different? Are you on people's radars and inspiring them enough to reach out and want to know more? The application only takes a few minutes and the link is in the show notes. After you apply, if it seems like I can help, we'll set up an initial conversation to explain the audit in more detail and answer any questions you have. So if you're a real estate investor who's committed to building your personal brand and business this year, then I invite you to apply for the REI Branded Audit. Now, back to the show. Matt, thank you for joining us. And I'm, I'm feeling a little bit jealous because I'm still here in sweaters in Canada and you're sitting in a nice t-shirt in Costa Rica. Uh, and you'll tell us the story behind that in a minute. But with us now, uh, you know, things opening up a lot more. Do you think people have forgotten how to network? Because now we've, we've all been doing it like this on Zoom for the last two years. Uh, what are the things that people need to remember when they get back out there into, into networking? Yeah, well, thanks for the, the question, Paul, and excited to be here. I think the pandemic has changed networking in some very interesting ways. Because even before the pandemic, we could use technology to really drastically change who our personal network is and who our professional network is. And the pandemic has really gotten everyone online behind a computer screen and checking their emails and taking remote work seriously. 
So now what you see is you see a lot of people networking more online and there's a little bit more competition to go and reach out to the, the top 1% or your top mentor because everyone's behind the computer now. So I thought that's really changed the way that people start online relationships, which often can be the start of a in-person handshake. So uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of put a stop on the in-person handshake for a while, but I think we're coming back at this point. Yeah, we'd hope so. What got you interested in the whole thing behind handshakes? How did you get involved in it? And tell us your story about that. Sure. So I had been running a small real estate investment company for about three and a half years. We would buy single family homes in Colorado where a lot of people were moving to. And we would take money from out of state investors, Texas, New Mexico. And then we would, we would buy these single family homes and add rooms to them and rent to roommates, all these roommates that didn't know anyone in Colorado. So that was uh, my business model for a while, but I kind of grew a little bit insecure. I think I bit off a little bit more than I could chew because I was a recent graduate from an MBA with $100,000 of student loans. And then I had <laughs> this mortgage for over 100,000. This one, I got these investors and uh, it was a great business model. But to be honest, I was a little bit insecure. I couldn't really pay myself much the first year or two. And I kind of didn't talk much about my career, but I knew I was on the right path because assets matter more than monthly cash flow. At, that's a, I, I don't know if everyone agrees with that, but I sure think focusing on the you got it. Your monthly cash flow can really mess with your assets if you don't run that correctly. But anyway, to get to your question about how I got to handshake, and is eventually once I was able to finally pay myself enough monthly and accumulate some equity in the real estate investments, I decided, okay, you know what, this was a good business model. I want to take it online. So I needed to start networking with other entrepreneurs who had tech companies, who had online companies, and. I was just honest with them. I said, I want to build a business that's more focused on relationships and long-term winning together. And I need advice from people who have done this online. So I started interviewing these people and that's kind of where the handshake started for me. Actually, I think my friend called me handshaking homes. When I got out of real estate, I had a little political internship in Washington, DC. And I, they saw me shaking hands with, I think, Paul Ryan or Hillary Clinton or someone. And they called me handshaking homes you're always taking pictures with a handshake. And I kind of ran with that and, you know, always, and ever since then, I've always put the focus on relationships for, you know, worrying about making income or a sale. And, you know, I've, I look for long-term win-win relationships. And I think that's the primary focus that will result in us becoming a large, even more successful business. What are the things that people need to remember about a handshake? Because we've all had the, the really limp, wet kind of handshake. <laughs> Yeah, so. yeah. Well, there's, there's the two questions is what, what do you need to know about a handshake? I mean, the physical one, I say, go in firm, shake, shake, release. <laughs> but then there's also the side of what a handshake represents because you can't shake someone's hand on the internet. Maybe right. that's called an e-shake or something. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> the beautiful thing about a handshake is it must be done in person. And although the internet's a powerful tool for maintaining relationships and starting new relationships, the in-person relationships more than ever is where you can find the people that you trust and the people that trust you. So where did that business go? What did you try and do? Sure. So the so I got out of real estate and I just cashed out on some of my equity. I held on to two properties and uh, you know, moved the the investment that I was that I still owed was down to fifty thousand and I wasn't trying to grow real estate anymore. So I kind of just kept the real estate as is. We're not growing it. It provides some passive income. It's a good safety net. And I went into handshake and really not knowing how we were going to make money. 
I just knew I wanted online. I wanted to hire outside of the US. I wanted less investors. I don't want a partner. And that's what I started pursuing. I didn't know the, the business value that we, you know, we're going to produce when I started, which is, um, I think I was lucky because with the real estate, I had a little cushion. I also had some experience from being self-employed and, you know, not freaking out if there's not enough money coming in the doors. So I, I, you know, used that cushion for about a year, year and a half before we buckled down and realized, you know, before we tried to charge people for Instagram marketing. We tried to charge them for personal websites, all this stuff and networking, network. But it turns out networking doesn't pay for your website or marketing costs this month. It definitely opens you up to some huge opportunities and some life-changing opportunities, but it doesn't pay for your marketing budget this month. What does pay for your marketing budget this month is the business model we've kind of pivoted to, which is still all about handshakes. But today we build websites, not for clients. We develop websites on our own. We own them. And the primary goal of these websites is to get phone calls of people looking for a quote. And then we find someone who can provide that quote and they pay us per batch of leads. So of course, the first conversation we have with them is a handshake value. It's providing value first. We're not selling anything. We have someone who needs a quote. And I need you to call them right away and give them a quote. And so, this is co- this is contractors, isn't it? Yeah. So we've got 130, yeah. I think 134 websites last I checked of different cities and different niches. Yeah. Contractors, window tinters, automotive repair, carpet cleaners, but mostly real estate contracting is the easiest way to sum it up. Right. And what are the challenges those businesses are facing that you're solving for them? Is it lead generation or they don't have the time or what's the... Yeah, well, we talk an array of different people. You know, some people, they live off referrals. So there's no way for them to turn the volume up on their business. They just, you know, if they do a good job, maybe they'll get another referral. And those guys, uh, that's one type of person that we sell to. We've also got huge businesses. I mean, not huge, but multi-location businesses that, you know, they, they need our leads in these four different locations. But guess what? We only built a website in these two. So then we kind of have a, you know, I wish, I wish we had websites. I mean, our goal is to build these websites and we've identified about 364 different cities that we'll go all in on, on multiple niches. And once we have that, then we can be able to work with those bigger companies later. And then you have the mom and pop shops too. So yeah, a couple of different types of customers, but none of them are huge businesses. It's very small B2B. Right. And what about sort of reputation and, and managing? Because yeah, Are you screening these contractors or is it, yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, it screens itself because when a customer calls one of our websites, they don't read at the bottom that they're that we're a referral website. We're not okay. the contractor. They think they're working with, for example, Fort Collins Concrete Contractors. Let's let's bring in a specific example that will help everyone understand this. Our first website was Fort Collins, which is a city in Colorado, Concrete Contractors, which is the niche. And people call that website, and if the contractor does a bad job, we get the bad review not the contractor. So if we start seeing bad reviews, you know, we're going to instantly raise the price or remove you and, and have a serious talk about how you're treating our customers because they're ours. They're, they're not, they're not theirs. Okay. So that's an interesting model. And do, and do you also keep a track of their reviews via other sites like Google reviews and things like that? Are you, are you kind of tracking those people? Or? Yeah, we, we look at reviews. We definitely prefer to call the contractors that have the best reviews first. Right. And, uh, and, you know, and then a lot of contractors don't have any reviews. A lot of them, you know, if they've got a, if they've got a, a rock website, they probably already have some 
proper organic leads coming in and they might want to work with us, but at a lower price than our MSRP, if you will. Right. So you're aiming more at the busy contractor or wants to be busy, but they may be not savvy enough to build a SEO optimized website. They, they may be still, it's funny, isn't it? How many businesses out there don't even have a real web presence. And I guess that, that for you is probably even more of an ideal type of yeah, client. I think, I think we provide a little bit more value, but there's lots of people that we work with that have their own website, which is different than our very similar competing website in that city. And we find ways to, to collaborate and grow both websites sometimes. But, you know, the main goal is we're selling phone call leads and that's what they pay us for. We're um, not a service agency. Any kind of tips or insights on what are the best things to think about from a website perspective? I mean, I don't want you to give away your secrets. But. Oh, no, it's no, there's some really easy hacks I'm happy to share with everyone who has a single location physical business. I mean, some of these things are no brainers. I know launching a website and marketing and blogs, it sounds scary, but really the first thing you've got to do is if you have an address at your home, you need to go and register your business on Google and they will ask usually to send you a postcard at a physical address. And that act alone might get you, with, with our websites, we've seen that act alone get anywhere from four extra leads every single month for the next many years to 70. It, it all depends on your city and your niche right. and competition in that area. But it, I mean, it, all you have to do is receive a postcard, wait a week and give it to Google a week later. And then you have a verified Google My Business profile and you might get lucky. It, it all depends on your city. I mean, if it's a bigger city, there's going to be more competition. If it's a smaller city, there might be less people calling for your service, but go verify your business on Google and get that postcard. Wow. Okay. So any other, that's an amazing hack, but most people are probably not doing it. I'm guessing. Most people start with a Facebook page or maybe someone told them they need Twitter or Instagram, but that's the type of stuff that takes a lot of work. You got to and, post and money and money. Yeah, you got to keep, you know, you need content every, every week, every day. But, and those are good things to do too. I, I would also recommend, in addition to Google, go ahead and launch the five important social networks. And don't worry about keeping them active until you have the time or support for that. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and then make sure you're easily accessible via email. Maybe that's in the foot of your website. Maybe that's on your Google profile. But all, ideally, you have a website and all of these social networks are pointing to your website. Your goal is to drive traffic to the real estate that you own online, which is your domain name and website. That's right. the land that you build your empire on. It's not on Facebook. If you, if you go and build your Facebook, you're kind of investing in a condo that someone else owns, right? Cool. The rent's cheap. You don't have to pay for hosting. You don't have to pay for the domain name. But hey, Facebook can suspend your page like that and shut you down immediately because you're just renting a condo. I love your analogy, renting a car. It's and the, the analogy I've heard was, I don't know if you've heard of him, Michael Hyatt is a leadership coach yeah. in uh, Tennessee. And he talks about your website is your home country. And yeah. everything, everything else are your embassies. So they give people a flavor for your country, right. but they're not, you know, the idea is to get people to come visit the country. So I got I to gotta look that up. Yeah, Michael Hyatt, em embassy. Website analogy. I, I'm definitely gonna look that up after. That sounds right up my. We look at it the same way. Right. And one of the challenges uh, that you would pass on as a, because you've been basically in business straight from school for yourself, like self self employed apart from the quick time at, uh, in Washington. So, 
what are the lessons that you've learned from trying multiple businesses, succeeding, just failing, I guess, or not failing, but not succeeding as much, maybe? Lots, lots of failing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think the passion, this is the business I've been doing the longest. It's been seven and a half years, and I love it every single day still today. And that's because whatever it is about handshakes, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I seem to love this relationship handshaking idea. And, and I, I remember with real estate, there was something, I loved the business model when I was doing real estate and I will still always do real estate. In fact, I'll probably get my, my license. I was never a broker before, but I'll probably get my license because real estate is still one of the best places to buy and sell huge assets, you know, and you know, as, as my company continues to grow, we'll continue to make investments. Right now, we're kind of on a crypto kick and all that stuff. But, you know, real estate is still a great investment. And um, that'll always be part of my life. But I just don't think I'll grow it as my full-time job. So um, I, what I would recommend to answer your question is find something where the passion really fuels it. And even if it takes some time, because it took me a year and a half or two to really make any money with handshaking you know before that we were just scrounging around trying to hey paul can we can we help you with your twitter we'll, we'll do five tweets for 20 dollars a month or something you know and it's it was painful to take to you know to really figure out what value to provide but the passion it's like a an electronic car with solar panels because it can just keep going and going and going and, and you, as long as you love it they, they say the only thing that kills a business is when the entrepreneur gives up right and that's what happens when you're in a business that you're not passionate about. So I know you've heard it before, but start with a passion. And uh, if you're a little bit smarter than me, you'll have a better idea on what value your business provides and to who. Uh, Try to those two to your passion. Any, any tips on how you identify that? How do you, how do you identify what value you bring? Well, you know, I'm kind of a, this scroungy guy who doesn't have much corporate experience. And, you know, I, I'm like trial and error. Just get out there and start doing it. But for those of us who didn't start a business right out of school and might have more responsibilities and be further along, you know, with your obligations in life, then of course you should probably connect with mentors who have already done something in the industry that you're trying to do. I'd say start with mentorship. In fact, that's even better than trial and error. But cool thing with trial and error is you can go ahead and fail today. <laughs> but I guess you, you did it in a way, didn't you? Because you reached out to tech people. You reached out to people that have built businesses online. So you were de facto kind of asking people that have been there and done it. Yeah. yeah I was failing and asking for advice at the same time. <laughs> I mean, eventually mentorship is what took me all the way to live in the Philippines during the pandemic is I realized in Denver, I connected with the top, you know, I could reach out to all the venture capitalists, all the successful entrepreneurs. I mean, some of them took me seriously. Some didn't because I'm just a, trying to learn. I don't have a business that's, you know, knows what value it provides. It's still kind of new, but I'm all in on it. You can see that. I've got lots of videos, lots of interviews. I'm all in on it, but I'm still new. And I eventually I realized I needed more, a different type of mentorship. So mentorship kind of evolves as your business grows. And I went out to the Philippines because that's where you can find the folks that don't have investors, are outsourcing to different cultures, and and or have a completely online company. Right. So uh, that's eventually what brought me out, out there was more mentorship. I've seen, uh, yeah, they hold conferences or mastermind groups out there, which, so is your team Philippine-based? Yeah, yeah, we've got a dozen full-time. And uh, we, we were as big as like 22 people last year, but kind of 
slowed down. We grew a little bit too fast. And now we've got proper, proper management. We've got VP managers. We've got the legal department. It's nice to have an attorney on payroll. Yeah, it's, it's not just a virtual assistance type of situation. It's right. a formal corporation. Wow. And, how, and you're, you're, going, you're in Costa Rica. You're going back to the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. So I've been here in Costa Rica for about six months, living in the Philippines for a year and a half. You might find yourself a girlfriend, whether you like it or not. And, uh, and now I'm here in Costa Rica for six months, obviously with the pandemic and, and us, you know, and me being from the U.S., it takes a while to get her papers fixed to be able to go to the U.S., but it's nice to be in this time zone and be a quick flight away from friends and family. Right. And so what are the lessons for you in, in terms of working with remote workers? Is there any advice that you've got? Because I know certainly real estate investors quite often are looking at well, how do I get more help? And one of the obvious ones is to use outsource offshore. Oh yeah. Well, this is, this is probably something I'd want to share at the very beginning of the episode is if you're in real estate, but you want to, you know, real estate's very much in person. You need to meet the contract. You need to touch the kitchen counters. You need, it's, it's in person where sometimes you need someone who helps you post on Craigslist to find renters or something, right? How do you combine those two? And what I would say is, well, first I'll share, there's three things that people have to do to avoid warnings in our company. You got to respond to every single email within a day. It's that simple. If you miss an email, it's not a healthy remote working relationship. Chat, if you, whether you use Slack or Facebook or wherever you manage your virtual assistant, they, got, they have to respond to that every single day, multiple times. It's really that simple. And then um, and in, in, in Filipino culture, Sometimes they will, if they don't want to answer a question, they're not going to tell you, I don't want to answer that question. They're just going to kind of ignore it. But unfortunately, if they're working with kind of a Canadian or American culture, you need to really make it known that this is important communication. If you're going to ignore a question, that's not going to work for me. It's, it's okay. It's also okay to not know the answer. That's something that's not really okay in, in their culture is saying, I don't know. We're right. here, we're very comfortable making mistakes and not knowing and saying, you should have told me <laughs> out, out there. It's kind of like, if you make a mistake, everyone around you is going to punish you for that for years. Right. So a couple differences to be aware of. And that's just, if you're outsourcing the Philippines, but what I would recommend to the real estate investors out there, if you're hiring someone virtually, make sure that they take that virtual position a thousand percent seriously. If they're missing emails, if they make a little bit of work, get rid of them. Uh, yes. Not everyone's high-end talent um, anywhere in the world, but make sure you have that talent where they're at least an excellent online communicator. And you'll, you'll know it when you feel it. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I, I have VAs in the Philippines. And um, one thing I've noticed is when I see them make a mistake, I kind of look at the instructions I gave them. And then 90% of the time, it's the way I've explained it. Yes. Yeah, my community, my, yeah it, it's obvious to me. And I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't you understand that? Then I read it again slowly and I think, Okay, yeah, that's sometimes my fault, not theirs, but you're right. They don't, yeah, they'll, they'll try and do anything. You know, can you design this newsletter? And if they've never done newsletters before, they'll still try Yep. rather than say, no, I can't. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. That's, that's good. I think you, you really want someone who's a teammate with you is kind of challenging you. Hey, I need more information on this. One, one other thing that's been helpful for me, I don't know if it has for you too, Paul, but is I tell them, hey, can you take care of these 100 things? But let me look at them after you finish the first two and then stop until you get a response from me. Let me check the work. Right. Yeah, I've just been helping a client hire in, in the Philippines for the first time. 
And what we did was we we actually paid the VA for a 10-hour project. Oh, so we had a short, yeah. short list of three people. We're going to pay for 10 hours. This is the project. Give yep. them a bunch of instructions. Tell us what you did in 10 hours. And yeah. then we got a good sense of what's their work ethic like. Can they follow instructions? And are they producing the kind of level that we're ideally looking for? And it was quite eye-opening. One person never came back to us. Yeah. One person did okay, did a fairly good job, but we, the one who had the more experience on paper absolutely delivered what we were kind of hoping for. So it was an interesting experience to do. So that's, that's something I would recommend is reach into your pocket and just pay a few dollars and get doing some kind of project that you want. Absolutely. Then you, then you can feel how's the communication. Are they actually emailing back? Are they asking questions? Great point, Paul. I love it. Yeah, good. And I've never had a world record holder on the, on the show. So I have to ask, how do you get a world record in a handshake? Sure. So I think the story started because once I went all in on the handshake strategy or the handshaking as the, the concept of my business and relationships, I knew, hey, everyone wants to break a world record, right? But how do you narrow it down to what type of world record you break? And once I knew that handshakes were on the plate for dinner, I could kind of look at the different dishes and found that the, the most vulnerable record to break was the longest handshake between two people. So um, eventually I found a partner and we shook hands for 46 hours. So before I just leave that as, as a number, let me remind you, that was Friday, 11 a.m. Friday evening, our friends came by. They enjoyed the beer from a beer sponsor. They went home, they slept. We're still shaking hands. Right. Saturday morning, we eat breakfast with one hand because our other hand is shaking. And you're, lit- up- and you're literally shaking. Yes. Oh. So oh. The, the longest hand holding record is 93 days. <laughs> so you, weren't we doing, had, you weren't doing that one. <laughs> no, no, we had to keep the hands moving. So uh, yeah, we got it done. We broke the previous record by one hour. Uh, we used four energy drinks. The timer stopped at 46 hours. Now people ask, how did you, I'm not going to say it because everyone's already right. thinking. How, how, did, how did you go did, to the washroom? And, yeah. How did you go to the water closet, the washroom, <laughs> Well, Guinness makes it really easy. This is the easiest world record to break ever. They give you a five-minute break for every hour that you shake hands. You're not allowed to sleep, but you can stop shaking and use both your hands in the water closet in <laughs> the privacy of a stall or a room. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a, it's kind of a contest who can stay awake the longest, and that was about 50 hours of being awake for that experience. Perfect. I'm going to have to ask about the crypto thing because it, it is a it is a subject I think that's in the back of the minds of a lot of real estate investors because they're always looking for well diversify a little bit their portfolio split it. Are you exposed at all to the uh, the digital real estate or are you looking more at crypto? Well, I would consider our websites digital real estate. You know, they're mm. they're websites with brands and they provide passive income. I, I would consider that digital real estate, but it kind of depends how one yeah. Buy. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking more where you, you go into these uh, places and you can buy a house, or but it's digital and you'll never, you know, the, oh. and, and there's a lot of the big brands now are getting into the digital space, like Nike and yeah. people like that are actually creating shoes for digital characters that you're going to add, you're going to buy for your digital avatar or whatever, and I'm thinking... I don't get it, but I guess there's. Yeah, well, it's it's a big, scary space that's kind of 
a steep learning curve. You got to download a wallet and then know your security key. And then you pay gas to move this Ethereum into these different things and you buy it. And then there's NFTs and marketplaces. It's kind of complicated. I, I don't think it would be very easy to, unless you go in pretty hard on it, I would just stick with buying Ethereum or buying Bitcoin. Everyone should buy a primary residence. There's your Bitcoin or Ethereum. If you want to get into, you know, condos or investment properties, maybe buy some of the, what they call altcoins, Solano or Avalanche. And if you want to start developing your own thing, well, now you have to learn about all the blockchains and what materials go into this and how much it costs to right. move this at stake because it all conveys value to different people. I've started just taking small percentage each month and just throwing it into a Bitcoin. Good. And just leaving it. I mean, I'm not even, I'm yeah. not worried. It was funny, the, the Ontario government, they've got an election coming up in June. So all of a sudden the, the wallets are opening up in terms of the government. So we're getting refunded our uh, license plates tax. They're back, they're abolishing it and they're giving us the last two years back. So I got, I got my check from them last week, $240. I said, well, I didn't expect that. So Bitcoin. So I just yeah. I bought, bought $240 worth of Bitcoin and yeah. maybe it'll be worth something. Yeah, you know, another another thing, if people are a little bit worried to buy a Bitcoin, you can also buy a stable coin. That's something I've started doing is usually whenever I wanted to buy crypto, I would change my US dollar from my Chase bank account into the Bitcoin or the Ethereum. But instead of doing that, I'm just kind of moving it into the crypto ecosystem as a stable coin. That way I'm ready to instantly trade it for one of the coins when when you see a bear market, when you see a dip. And that way, but it's still a great idea, you know, put a little bit in each week, each month. That's always a winning strategy. Warren Buffett told me once. <laughs> I read that on the internet somewhere. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so a uh, couple of questions I like to ask all my guests. Favorite personal brand and why? Well, you know, kind of like the uh, cryptocurrency market, it's kind of this, this brand has kind of gone up and down for me, but I, and I'm sure I'm sure a bazillion other guests have said it too, but I'm just boring on this one. I'll try to be more excited on the next question, but Gary Vaynerchuk, come on. He's so bold. He's great. And I, you know, he gets a little bit dry sometimes. What I like about Gary is a lot of these thought leaders and popular personal brands are jumping into crypto and web three without any experience, but Gary's actually launched a very successful NFT. I know I'm kind of speaking a different language right now, but yeah. I'm in the digital asset space, so I'm sorry, but he's still, he's, he's staying up to speed with the new stuff and has his money on the line. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's, yeah, he's a personal brand. He's bold, but he's, he's even today in 2020, he's not getting lazy. He's not getting complacent. He's still pursuing all the new well, stuff that's out there. Yeah. I mean, hustle is probably an overused word, but I think he is almost the originator of that. And, and yeah. he lives, he lives that. Yeah. Yes. And espouses it every day. Yeah. How does he have that energy? <laughs> yeah, the, the interesting thing I saw about his NFTs was he was smart because he looked at, you know, what is the appeal of his brand? And inside those NFTs are things like, you know, you can have a phone call with him once a year or you can come to yeah. his conference. So that's smart and because yeah. he's playing on what he's already doing, but perceived value is huge. Yeah. yeah if, you, if you buy an NFT and you could have a phone call with Gary Vaynerchuk once a year, as yeah. an entrepreneur, why wouldn't you want it? So, yeah. yeah. Interesting. What about a, a favorite business book or podcast? So the business book, I'm sure this one has also been referred to before, but I'm proud to reinforce Rich Dad, Poor Dad as a no-brainer. 
You know, it really is. Of course, you heard me say early on, I really think the ass focusing on the assets is where you're going to generate wealth. If you mess up your monthly cash flow, you might lose an asset, but as long as that stays healthy, you got to focus on the assets. Right. And, uh, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad's a great way to learn about the benefits of that. I know a favorite tool or resource that you're currently using, and I'm, I'm thinking this might be in the crypto space, but. Uh, what... Well, I'll, I'll, I could probably talk about some crypto stuff, but I'll stay focused on the real estate side. Um, right now, it's a tool called Podio, which is kind of like a uh, Asana or Trello. It's, it's what we're using for a lot of internal processes, and it's great with a team, with managers. It's shareable. Podio. It's just a simple tool. We pay 24 bucks a month for it, and, and the value, we've, I mean, we've really, we've been working on it and developing it for years, but but it's got tremendous value for that price at this point. And, you know, you can store documents and store processes in there. It's just a good to-do software for a team. So is that a little bit like uh, Basecamp or is it I, like a I project? Believe, yeah, I'm not a Basecamp user, but I believe it's like right. a Basecamp style okay. software. And a favorite quote? Favorite quote is, of course, something that comes back to the handshake. It's, I think, now I should really know this quote because it's been my favorite quote for a while, but it, but help me here, Paul. Is it a rising tide lifts all boats or a rising tide lifts all ships? Which one is it? I think it's ships, but probably it's probably been changed to boats at some point, I would imagine. A rising tide lifts all yachts. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's change it to that. I, I think, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I feel like if everyone's these successful entrepreneurs networking with each other, it's probably a ship. Like that's bigger right. than a boat, kind of a boat, like kind of be scared if it's going up and down too much but a ship yeah so anyway a rising boat a rising boat lifts all or that one a rising a rising tide you know if everyone invests in their community and their network it's going to help everyone and that's why i love that quote as a professional handshaker is you know i believe in long-term win-win relationships that quote pretty much sums it up so how could people get hold of you matt what's what's the best way and find out more about what you do and where you are Sure. My website is handshaking.com. You can find me there. And, and uh, if you hit the contact page, that goes straight to me. It's also matt at handshaking.com if you want to email me. Great URL. It costs a lot. Oh, did it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you didn't grab it early at $2.99 yeah. from GoDaddy, unfortunately. No. Well, oh, gosh. That's a whole different story. I, I bought handshaking without the G. And after I bought that, GoDaddy bought Handshaking with the G and then resold it to me for $8,000. No. Yeah. Wild, wild west. Digital assets. They don't have laws like real estate do. Careful. Wow. I always wondered about that. If you did a search on somebody like a GoDaddy and it was a good URL, but somebody hadn't thought of it, whether somebody sees that, jumps in, buys it. So you just answered my questions. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They, they do it. And it's legal. Wow. Okay. Well, Matt, thank you for sharing your insights today. It's been very fascinating. Lots of fun ideas and uh, congratulations on your success and uh, have yourself a brantastic day. Yes, thank you, Paul, for your time. And thank you, listeners, who have made it this far. Really, <laughs> it's been a time with you guys. Well, was that brantastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist.
That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.